This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, the federal government has introduced a new financial consumer protection framework under the Bank Act. The framework, which took effect on June 30th, holds banks to a higher standard and requires them to take greater responsibility for consumer outcomes. So in other words, what it really means is it's meant to further protect you, the consumer, when you're dealing with these banks. So joining me to discuss the framework and its enhanced protections and and how it really is of benefit is Rana Abu Nameh. Director of Regulatory Guidance and Coordination, Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, and Jason Buzanis, Assistant Commissioner for Public Affairs with the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada. And of course, as our listeners know, we talk about the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada all the time, often referring to it as FCAC. So thank you all for joining me today. So before we get into the discussion regarding the Financial Consumer Protection Framework, can you guys just share a little bit with our listeners more about the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada and the role that the FCAC plays For sure, Nancy. I'm happy to take that one. So first of all, on behalf of the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, thank you for having us on our show. It's a pleasure to be here as always. So FCAC is a federal government agency that protects consumers of financial products and services. So more specifically, FCAC's focus is on protecting Canadians in their dealings with financial institutions, mainly banks, on the personal banking side. And we do this in two principal ways strengthening the financial literacy of Canadians and supervising federally regulated financial institutions to make sure that they meet their obligations to protect consumers. And we'll be talking a lot about that second part of our mandate today. That's great. And as you mentioned, one of the key roles of FCAC is to protect the financial well-being of Canadians by supervising the compliance of federally, sorry, (laughs) that's a mouthful, supervising the compliance of federally regulated financial entities, such as banks. You don't want to have to say that five times. So can you share with me more about how the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada does this? Of course, I'll try not to trip over that myself, Nancy. So (laughs) FCAC monitors and supervises the compliance of banks and other federally regulated financial institutions with consumer protections. So these consumer protections can be set out in legislation, they can be public commitments, or they can be codes of conduct. And so to do this, FCAC uses a variety of tools. So there's three pillars to the way FCAC supervises financial institutions, promoting, monitoring, and enforcing. So I can tell you a little bit about each of those. So the first is promoting responsible market conduct. And this means making sure that consumer protection obligations are clearly explained and widely understood by the financial industry. And so banking industry more specifically. So to support this, FCC provides guidance to financial institutions on how to interpret and implement their obligation. The second is monitoring. And this involves regularly assessing the compliance of banks. So for example, banks are required to report issues to FCAC and FCAC also proactively reviews industry practices and this can be done in various ways such as through mystery shopping exercises. And lastly, there's enforcement. And so this could involve investigations where there are possible breaches of consumer protection obligations. Once an investigation is complete, 
FCC takes action based on the findings. So, for example, FCC could require a bank to enter into an agreement to address a specific area of concern. That's great, Jason. As you mentioned, FCAC regularly does examine industry practices and the impact that consumers on financial products and services. And I know a few years back, I think in 2019, in order to get a true reading of these practices, you undertook a mystery shopping exercise, as you mentioned. And FCAC's reviews contributed to the new financial consumer protection framework that was recently introduced. So we're going to talk about the framework coming up. But first, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that mystery shopping exercise, why it was conducted in, in the bank? that were involved. Happy to take that one, Nancy. So maybe it's um, it's a good idea to start by explaining what mystery shopping is. So uh, mystery shopping is a form of market research where individuals pose as consumers, use semi-scripted scenarios, go in with some questions, and interact with bank employees as consumers. These shoppers are trained to record their observations um, objectively, and that provides us with qualitative and quantitative data that we can analyze after. In terms of the research objective, so why did FCAC do a mystery shopping exercise? The main objective was to gain a better understanding of how frontline bank employees, meaning the ones in branches, sell financial um, products and services to consumers and how consumers experience the sales process from their point of view. This was of great interest to FCAC because in 2018, as you mentioned, uh, of one of the reviews we conducted was a review of the sales practice of banks. And that review found that retail banking culture often focused on selling products and services. It was a culture of sales. And this naturally increased the risk um, that the emphasis on consumer protection will not always be there. So Mystery Shopping provided an interesting touch point uh, to look into that further. In terms of the um, banks involved, the mystery shopping exercise took place at Canada's six largest banks. It included BMO, Scotiabank, CIBC, National Bank, RBC, and TD. And I would like to also mention that the shops took place in all the Canadian provinces. That's great. So a lot of really good coverage there, Rana. And what were some of the main research questions that the mystery shopping exercise undertook to ask? Sure. I'll share the three main questions that we aim to have answered with this exercise. So one, how do banks sell financial products and services? Two, do consumers find communications during the sales process to be clear, simple, and not misleading? And this references to written and verbal communications. We wanted to, to see how both are done. And third, do banks sell financial products and services differently to consumers from different demographic backgrounds? That's great. And were you surprised at all by any of the findings? Like, What did this exercise reveal to you guys? Sure, there were there were a few key findings, but I'll start with the main one. The main one is that a clear majority, about three quarters of shoppers, reported largely positive experience in their dealing with their banks. That's good news, and FCAC is pleased with the general positive findings. But while this may seem encouraging, it only tells part of the story. A notable percentage of shoppers who reported a positive overall experience also reported concerning sales practices. I'll give you some concrete examples. About a third of checking account shoppers and slightly less than a half of credit card shoppers who reported that bank employees provided an inappropriate product for their needs still rated their overall experience as positive. So that was one finding. Um, reports of inappropriate recommendations were also more common among visible minorities and indigenous people. And those were, if I could summarize the main findings, that was it. In terms of, in terms of surprising findings, I would say that there was an interesting observation, interesting pattern 
that came out of this, which I hinted at uh, a few minutes ago. Um, we see that consumers can report a positive overall experience while still experiencing concerning sales practices. So if you think of a shopper who went in and ended up with a product that was not appropriate for their needs or the information that was shared with them was not done in a clear manner, um, still reported an overall positive experience. And, and the lesson here is that while consumer satisfaction is an important metric and an important one for, for banks to collect, it cannot be relied on as a sole metric to assess compliance or to assess if banks are meeting the market conduct of obligations. Um, so this reinforces the need to use a variety of tools to effectively monitor sales practices within banks. No, absolutely. And it's interesting, isn't it, that such a high percentage would describe their experience as positive, but still have these misgivings in, in some of the products that were offered and, and you know, whether or not there was pressure uh, exerted or they felt pressure exerted to, uh, to sign on for these different products. And I think the thing that stood out for me, too, was the information not being clear and simple or maybe the feeling that it was a little misleading. So in Interesting that they would consider positive, but still have uh, have these concerns. So to address the issues raised uh, by the FCA in its reviews, the bank sales practice, the federal government adopted legislation strengthening the federal agency's mandate and powers. So this led to new and enhanced protections for Canadians under the new financial consumer protection framework. So we're going to talk about that when we come back and why it was felt that this framework was needed and how it really does protect you when your money returns. Please stay with us. Weekdays on VOCM, it's Open Line with your host, Patty Daly. Join the conversation each morning from 9 a.m. to noon on your VOCM. We get people talking. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Snudden, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm joined today by Rana Abunami. She's the Director of Regulatory Guidance and Coordination with the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada or FCAC, and Jason Buzanis, Assistant Commissioner of Public Affairs, also with FCAC. So today's focus is the new financial consumer protection framework that is now in effect under the Bank Act. The aim, of course, is to protect you, the consumer. So let's talk now about the framework. What is it and how is it exactly going to better protect consumers? Great. So Canada's new financial consumer protection framework is an important milestone for consumer protection. To give you a bit of history, the new framework was adopted in 2018 as part of legislation to further protect bank consumers and strengthen FCAC's mandates and powers. The framework includes over 60 new or enhanced measures to better protect financial consumers. These new protections just came into force June 30th, just about a couple of weeks ago. And banks, authorized foreign banks, and federal credit unions. Before I give some um, examples of how consumers will be better protected, I will share that one important thing about this framework. In its essence, what it does is it holds banks to a higher standard and requires them to take greater responsibility for consumer outcomes. Now, to some uh, examples of how that will be done is banks now will meet higher standards in their sales practices, including providing products and services that are appropriate for their customers, taking into consideration the consumer's needs and financial situation. A second important example is it will strengthen the complaints handling procedures at banks to help their consumers get their issues resolved faster and more effectively. 
And a third area that I would like to mention as well is the disclosure of more information. Banks now will have the obligation to disclose more information to their customers to help them make informed and timely decisions in relation to their day-to-day banking. Yeah, I think that's so important, you know, because oftentimes people go to the bank and it's a trusting relationship, right? So they are signing things often without reading them. And if and if the time isn't taken, like the appropriate amount of time is not taken to really explain what is being signed, it, it, it's easy to see how people could sign something and not truly have a good understanding of what it is they're signing and what the impact of it is, you know, what the interest rate is, what the uh, foreclosure procedure would be or, or what the defaults are. On, on different loans and, and all that kind of thing. So I think this is really great, uh, Rana. And, and why did the FCAC deem the framework as necessary? Why did you feel that consumers really needed these enhanced protections? Sure, Nancy. So if we were to uh, take a step back, the framework addresses issues raised by FCAC and stakeholders over the years. So as we mentioned previously, one of FCAC's roles is to review the practices in the banking industry. And so some of these past reviews have highlighted areas where Canadians could be better protected and the oversight of banks could be strengthened. So I'll highlight two reviews um, uh, that led to the framework um, or contributed to the framework. And uh, Ren already touched on one of these earlier. So in 2018, FCAC reviewed the sales practices of banks and found that banking in Canada is very focused on selling products and services. So this means that the interests of customers are not always given top priority. So that was one key review. And then in 2020, FCAC reviewed the complaints handling procedures at banks. And so FCAC found that most complaints are resolved quickly and to the satisfaction of customers. However, many people still experience frustration when banks took too long to resolve their complaints. So these reviews, this research, these findings have all contributed to the framework as we see it today. And it's interesting, Jason, right? When you when you consider some of the key reasons for the framework, so for example, you know, consumers not being offered inappropriate products or being pressured into products they might not need, the staff not being knowledgeable, you know, it makes me wonder why this is was occurring in the first place, you know, and, and shouldn't banks really have been held accountable for these practices even without a framework? That's a good question, Nancy. So the framework builds on existing federal laws and regulations that require banks to provide Canadians with access to basic services, to basic banking, and to treat their customers fairly. But what the framework does is that it goes further. It enhances some of what was already there and also adds new ones to better protect consumers. And it definitely puts more onus on banks to have more responsibility for consumer outcomes. And I think I could maybe demonstrate that by providing two examples for the listeners one that demonstrates new things that the framework is introducing and one that demonstrates an enhancement of things that were existing, but now they are uh, better. So when we talk about the sale of appropriate products, so now banks have new obligations to offer and sell products and services to their consumers that are appropriate for them based on their financial needs and situation. And if you remembered from our earlier discussion today about the mystery shopping and the finding about consumers being offered products that were not appropriate for their needs, this deals with that head on. And this is a new requirement. 
an enhanced requirement. Uh, we've also talked about misleading information. So there were already prohibitions without getting too technical. There were already prohibitions about uh, providing misleading information, but they applied to specific contexts, to specific situations. The enhancement that we have with this framework is now these obligations are broadened to include all forms of communication, verbal, written, all platforms, advertisement. Um, so this makes it stronger. This provides an important enhancement and takes it from where it was before to a better place where we'll, we'll provide much better protection for consumers. That's great. And I'm sure that's music to the consumer's ear, right? That um, these enhanced protections go further to make sure that they're being served properly and not being asked to sign up for things that are unnecessary or maybe that are, they don't fully understand. So now that the framework is in place, can you share how it strengthens the FCAC's mandate? Yeah, of course, uh, Nancy. So the legislation that created the framework also provided FCAC with more powers to better protect Canadians. So, of course, FCAC is responsible for supervising the implementation of the framework, but there are also some new powers that come with the framework for FCAC. So these powers actually came into effect a little while ago. Um, and so they include the power to impose higher penalties on banks that commit violations of their consumer protection obligations. And these penalties can be up to $10 million. And the power to make banks comply with their obligations, so such as requiring them to compensate customers who have been negatively impacted. And when there are serious violations, SCAC also makes public the name of the institution, the details of the violation, and the amount of the penalty. So Jason, that's not insignificant, right? And that's kind of... Um it's important, I think, for people to understand that because sometimes you talk about penalties or, you know, fees that could be charged and it's not always known what that means or if it's significant enough to ensure that they're going to be really wanting to pay attention uh, to these practices. But those those are some significant numbers that you that you mentioned, right? Ten million dollars. That's not anything for even like the large banks that are, you know, billions in, in profits. Ten million dollars is nothing to sneeze at as a, as a fee or penalty. For sure, and, and that fits within that uh, supervisory approach that I was mentioning earlier, that FCAC promotes responsible conduct, it monitors banks, and then of course at the end, uh, there's always uh, the enforcement side um, when an investigation were to uncover a serious violation. So we've talked about the framework and, and how there's penalties and, and for the banks if they're, they're not compliant. And we've talked a little bit about how it's meant to protect consumers. But Jason, can you tell listeners who benefits the most from this framework? Of course. So the framework is good news for all Canadians who deal with a federally regulated bank. And uh, the majority, you know, over 90 percent of Canadians have some type of relationship uh, with a bank, um, be it a bank account, checking, savings account, credit card. However, the new protections particularly benefit those who are financially vulnerable, such as people on low incomes or those who may be less financially knowledgeable. And so the framework will benefit these individuals in many ways, but maybe I can provide two examples. So the first is something that we've already discussed. And so there's a new requirement for banks to provide products and services that are appropriate for their customers. So this means assessing the financial needs and circumstances of their customers before offering them products and services. And another really good example, particularly for those who are more vulnerable or more vulnerable situations, is the framework requires banks to provide electronic alerts to help customers avoid going into 
overdraft or spending over their cre credit limit because this can result in certain fees. And so for those who may find themselves with their credit card at or close to their limit or whose bank account is often um, below a certain threshold, this really helps them keep track of their finances but also avoid uh, fees that um, they might not otherwise be aware of. That's great. I mean, the more information around that that consumers have, the better. I think that that's, uh, that's going to be really of great benefit to consumers. So we're talking about the new financial consumer protection framework that's now in effect in the Bank Act. And the aim of the new framework, of course, is to better protect you, as Jason said. So we're going to talk more in detail about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOC. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Joining me today is Rana Abunami. She's the Director of Regulatory Guidance and Coordination for FCAC, and Jason Buzanis, Assistant Commissioner of Public Affairs, also with FCAC, or the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada. So we're talking about the new Financial Consumer Protection Framework today, and it's just recently come into effect under the Bank Act. In fact, it came into effect just on June 30th. So as you've heard, the framework came to be after issues were raised by FCAC in its review of the sales practices by the six biggest banks. And I want to share a couple of quotes regarding the framework. The first is from the Honorable Christian Friedland, Deputy Prime Minister and, of course, Minister of Finance. She comments, the financial well-being of Canadians is hugely important and we're taking more action to protect people in their dealings with banks. Canada's new financial consumer protection framework includes more than 60 new or enhanced protections and it will help Canadians manage their money with more confidence and peace of mind. And Judith Robertson, Commissioner of the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, commented, the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada is there to protect consumers of financial products and services, but this is also a responsibility shared by the financial industry. Canada's new financial consumer protection framework is an important milestone for consumer protection in Canada in that it places a greater responsibility on banks to focus on the financial outcomes of their customers. In today's increasingly complex and rapidly changing financial world, the framework will further protect and empower Canadians. Statements I'm sure listeners are really pleased to hear, and I know that I'm pleased to hear that. I mean, I love hearing about protections for consumers when it comes to uh, their finances. Obviously, I see people in financial difficulty all the time, and although a large majority of the people that I see, um, it's a life event that happens, right? So it's an illness or job loss or some other reduction in their income, a marital breakdown. Something's happened to get them in the financial challenges that they have. But in some respects, uh, people will often say to me, you know, I've just gotten underwater with my debt. And although I'm making the payments, I can't seem to, to get ahead, right? I'm paying interest and more interest. And I don't understand why the bank approved me for the level of debt that I'm carrying, given the struggle that I'm having repaying it. So I love to hear about these protections and, and Judith's comments about empowering Canadians, I think is fabulous. So the new, newly introduced financial consumer protection framework consists of 60 new or enhanced protections, as I mentioned. And I know many are technical in nature. So let's try to focus on those that will impact consumers most directly. And I would say a key one would be to hold the banks to a higher standard, especially when it comes to its sales practices. So how will this new framework do this? 
Yes, I mean, there, as you mentioned, Nancy, over 60 new or enhanced obligations. And um, I'll highlight one that I think is of great importance to consumers, which relates to disclosure and how banks now will have the obligation to provide more information in a timely manner to their consumers. Um, So maybe I'll start by outlining what we mean by disclosure. So by law, federally regulated financial institutions must provide you with, as a consumer, with information about the products and services they may offer or sell to you. They must disclose this information in a manner that is clear, simple, and not misleading. And I think we emphasized the importance of that earlier in the conversation, that people understand what's being explained to them uh, when they're about to accept a product or service. Um, This must be done in writing unless otherwise indicated. And under the framework, banks must now provide more information to their consumers to help them make informed and timely decision on their day-to-day banking. And I'll use two concrete examples. The first one is the new electronic alerts. And many people will have already started noticing that they're receiving these uh, electronic alerts from their banks. And that's because banks now have to provide new electronic alerts to consumers in two situations. One, when the balance of their checking or saving account falls below $100 or an amount the consumer chooses. Two, when the credit available on their credit card or line of credit falls below $100 or, again, an amount that a consumer may choose that suits their needs better. The new electronic alerts are simple, and they might seem simple and easy, but very effective and very powerful way to help consumers make sure they don't go into overdraft, spend over the credit limits, and just have a general awareness of of what's happening with their day-to-day banking. And this will save them um, a lot of fees that otherwise they would have paid had they gone overdraft or had some payments, uh, bounce, etc. The banks will automatically set this amount at $100. However, consumers can ask the bank to set them to a different amount. Again, that suits their needs better. Um, You don't have to do anything to subscribe to this. This will happen automatically, but consumers can opt out if they choose to. Um, And this opting out could be done by email. Um, So that's that's this information. One piece of information that might be of benefit to, to listeners as well is that uh, for this, it's important that the bank has up-to-date uh, phone number or email address as these uh, notifications will come via most probably email or text message. So, Rana, you mentioned that, you know, you can unsubscribe. I'm guessing that then if you decided you wanted the alerts in place again, it's just a matter of requesting it from the bank. I know one thing that crosses my mind as you were um, talking is that these alerts are coming by text. We also know, you know, there's a bunch of um, fraud sometimes, right? And, and fraudsters will often try to send alerts by text. So always important, I guess, not to respond directly to an email or text, but to contact your bank uh, directly on this stuff. Absolutely. And it's also important to remember that your bank will not ask you by a text to provide personal information or uh, login credentials or any other information that are typically found um, in those uh, fraudulent messages. Uh, but definitely to be cautious and, and um just wanted to make that distinction between what may look like a bank alert, but that to be aware, this is more to inform of information versus asking consumers to provide personal and privileged information. That's great. So it's actually just giving you some information, not asking you for anything. So that's a really important distinction, I guess. If you're being asked for information, it's safe to assume this is not part of that alert program and you should contact your bank directly and not uh, not make any response. So that's fabulous. Um, and you said you, you had a couple of examples that you wanted to give. So what was your next example, Renu? 
So the next example is an advance notice for renewal of products and services. Uh, so banks will send their customers timely reminders when some of their products and services are set to renew. And this also applies very interestingly. And, and I think this would be of, of interest to many consumers who have taken introductory offers at some point um, in their uh, when they're doing uh, their finances. Is This applies to automatic rollover or promotional offers that will expire. Um, these reminders will help consumers decide if they want to renew or cancel the product or service. So an example would be with an introductory rate on a credit card of let's say 1.9% as interest rate for the first month or two months. Before this rolls over into the normal interest rate uh, that is higher, 1899 or 1999, the consumer will be notified that this renewal is about to happen and they have a choice to um, assess their needs for this product, assess if it suits their needs with the new features and decide if they want to keep it or not. I think that's so important. You know, I like to think that I stay on top of my finances and I'm looking at all, all these things on a regular basis and making sure, you know, the things that I have, uh, budget or savings or, or whatever I'm trying to do. But sometimes it happens to me as well where I've signed up for something and it is a free entry period and then I'll see a charge come through and I'm like, oh, I forgot that this free trial was ending. So I think that that's fantastic, especially when you look at something as high as a 20% interest rate is coming into effect. So, Rani, you also mentioned earlier that the framework will require banks to strengthen their complaint handling procedures. So what can you tell, tell us about that? Banks are required to strengthen their complaint handling procedures in several ways to help their consumers get their issues resolved faster. We know um, that when a consumer is going through um, a complaint, um, at times, especially if they're more complex, they tend to take longer. Uh, consumers might get fatigued, frustrated. So this aims at improving this overall experience and, and process. So one of the most important changes that I would like to highlight is a new obligation for banks to deal with complaints within 56 days, so about eight weeks. And this is a maximum period, so they have to deal with it within 56 days. This will be the first time that banks are legally required to deal with complaints within a specific period of time. To give you a bit of background, um, before the framework, there were no regulatory requirements on banks when it comes to a specific period of time for dealing with a complaint. FCAC and its guidelines um, had 90 days as a period of time to resolve complaints, but in reality, especially for the more complex complaints, this was taking longer. So this is something that will provide um, an immediate and great improvement to how complaints are handled. Banks must also avoid using misleading terms such as ombudsperson that suggest that bank employees who handle complaints are independent because they're not. So this term is not uh, one to be used when we're speaking about bank employees who are dealing with the complaint. Also, the use of a new and broader definition of complaint that captures all situations where a consumer could be unsatisfied with a product or a service. In addition, as we know, sometimes going through the complaints process is not uh, an easy task for some. So banks will be expected to help their customers navigate their complaint handling procedure to make sure they understand the different steps involved. This includes providing consumers with information on how to refer their complaint to an independent external complaint body if they're not satisfied with um, how it was treated at the bank. 
That's great. And I know um, the banks must have some opinion on this new framework as well. It's meant for consumers, but obviously uh, impacts them. So we'll start with that when we come back. Please stay with us. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM morning show. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guests today are Rana Abenami. She's the Director of Regulatory Guidance and Coordination with the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, and Jason Buzanis, Assistant Commissioner of Public Affairs with the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada. Also, you hear me uh, refer to them as FCAC quite often. So we're talking about the new Financial Consumer Protection Framework. It was created by the federal government under the Minister of Finance and is overseen by the FCAC. And we've talked a lot about what these changes are and the enhancements that have been um, introduced under the framework and the protection that it's meant to provide consumers and will provide uh, consumers for the future. But, of course, it is impacting the banks and how that they run their businesses, I guess, for lack of a better word. So what was the response from the banks, Rana, when these new procedures were being introduced? I'm assuming that feedback was sought from them. And, and were they open to these changes? Thank you, Nancy, for the question. So I can say that banks have embraced the changes and are working hard to make them operational. As the regulator responsible for overseeing the framework, FCAC has developed guidelines, as, and as mentioned earlier today when we spoke about our how we do our supervision, and it's done through three pillars, one important one is the promotion of compliance. And we've worked closely with banks, and we've created guidelines on complaints handling, on sales of appropriate products, and on whistleblowing procedures that we sought the feedback of banks, we did public consultations, and banks did participate in those public consultations. We have also been monitoring the preparations and readiness of banks leading up to June 30th. Um, And it's also worth mentioning that when we're thinking of those over 60 enhancements or new requirements, um, the banks are making substantial investments um, in systems, in creating or updating internal procedures and in training of their staff. That's great. And I know that um, this aligns quite well, of course, with the National Financial Literacy Strategy that SCAC has. And really, I, I really love that strategy. It's aimed at moving us forward toward a more accessible, inclusive and effective financial ecosystem for all Canadians. So can you share with us a little more about how the framework supports the overall national strategy of SCAC? Sure. So I can talk a little bit about that, Nancy. So the framework and FCC's National Financial Literacy Strategy complement one another. So as you mentioned, the national strategy is really about an evolution in the financial ecosystem. And so this is creating a better financial ecosystem for all Canadians. And so this ecosystem includes the financial industry, governments and regulators, and even community organizations that help Canadians manage their finances. And so the national strategy places the onus on the ecosystem, and of course banks play a very important role here, to address barriers that can prevent people from achieving good financial outcomes. And so this represents a fundamental shift from a focus on individual responsibility for making informed financial decisions. And while that individual responsibility is still important, the national strategy focuses on what the ecosystem, the financial ecosystem, can do to better support Canadians. And this aligns directly with the framework because the framework holds banks to a higher standard and requires them to take greater responsibility for consumer outcomes. 
That's great, Jason. You know, we talked about many of the changes that the banks have implemented um, as part of this framework. Has the framework been a big change for them? I was never saying that the new framework represents an important shift. It requires banks to take greater responsibility for consumer outcomes. In terms of a shift for banks, um, there is a, a big emphasis on um, bank leadership and the involvement in the implementation of the framework. So the framework includes new obligations on banks to designate a senior committee, for example, that is responsible for ensuring that the bank meets their obligations to consumers. This committee must be made up of members of the bank's board of directors. So that shows you the level of, of emphasis and importance of, of, um, of that work. Absolutely. The new obligation will help a bank will have the bank's most senior people have a clear line of sight on the consumer protection responsibilities throughout the work of the committee and will also their reporting obligations. So the committee will have to report to FCAC every year on its activities. Now on the implementation side, as I mentioned before, it is important to, to note that to meet the requirements of the framework, banks are making substantial investments in building new systems, updating policies and procedures, creating new policies and procedures and training their staff. That's great. And of course, one of those things that they're creating uh, is a whistleblowing program, right? Banks are now required to have one in place and it's meant to allow employees to come forward if they do notice issues themselves and who better really to talk about some of the issues that they see uh, at the bank, but the people that are working there. So can you tell us a little bit about how the whistleblowing program will work and why you felt it was needed? Absolutely. Happy to speak about that. So this is a significant part of the framework. Banks uh, now must create a whistleblowing program for employees. And why is this important for consumers? It is very important, as you mentioned, Nancy, that because bank employees are often the first to know about problems on the inside. So the whistleblowing program will encourage them to come forward and help expose and address problems that could otherwise go unreported. Another important element to mention that in the whistleblowing program, the banks must prohibit retaliation against employees who report wrongdoings. And this is very important because uh, it must keep the identity of the employee confidential and provide them that protection to ensure that employees feel safe reporting issues through this program without fear of consequences, negative consequences, obviously. Um, bank employees will also be able to report wrongdoing directly to FCAC or the Office of Superintendent of Financial Institutions, OSPI. That's great. And you're right. I, I mean, the whistleblowing program would not go anywhere if people didn't feel that it was going to be confidential and they could safely report issues without any fallback. So I think that's that's really great and really important to know. So from the FCAC's perspective, when you look at this framework uh, and you're monitoring the progress, I'm sure part of that is to see whether or not additional changes will be forthcoming or will be needed. But what does the success of the program look like to you? Thank you for the question, Nancy. When we think of success, the bottom line is that we now have more than 60 new or improved protections in place. Um, after many years of development, extensive analysis, consultations with many stakeholders, and this is a big part of the success to have this in place. The framework came into effect June 30th. In terms of where we go from here, FCC will continue its important work to promote, monitor, and enforce. And I think Jason touched on that a couple of times If this is our supervisory framework. This is how we ensure that things that are supposed to happen are happening. 
uh, we keep an eye on uh, compliance, et cetera, and this will mean that the implementation will be um, done in uh, with, with good results. Um, and it will hold banks to higher responsibility for consumer outcomes. It's also important to note that consumer protection is an ongoing process. This will, our work will continue um, as this framework is in place. I will also add that consumer protection is an ongoing process and FCAC will continue its important work in that area. Yeah, and you guys definitely do do important work. And thank you so much to both of you for coming on today. It's been great to hear the details around this program. You know, people may have heard about it in the media a little bit when it was rolled out, but maybe not have a good understanding about exactly what those protections are. And they are significant. So thanks for coming on and sharing more details about the framework. But we do have some time now for some final thoughts. So I'll start with you, Jason. If you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? For sure. Um, so one of SEC's primary roles is to protect the consumers of financial products and services. But this is a responsibility shared with the financial industry. And the framework entrenches this responsibility on banks. For me and for Canadians, that's why it's so important. Yeah, it truly is important. And like I said, you guys do some really great work and and I'm really happy to always have you guys on to talk more about the work that you're doing. Cause it's, I, I know I always talk about the website and how people can go to it and find you know great information about different things, but it's always nice to hear from you guys on, on what you're doing. So thanks again for joining me today. Thank you, Nancy. It's a pleasure to be, it was a pleasure to be here. And Rana, if you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? Sure. Thank you, Nancy. It would be that the framework is an example of an important shift in how consumer protection is regulated. We are moving away from one that's based on prescriptive rules to one that focuses on consumer outcomes. The new protections will help us move away from a buyer beware environment to one based on a shared responsibility between consumers and the provider of bank services and to one where banks have a big part to play when it comes to consumer outcomes. The framework has been a long time coming. It will provide Canadians with better protection and it's good news. Thanks for coming on today, Rana. And Jason, if people wanted more information about this uh, framework or, or other financial information, actually, that they can find on um, find with the FCAC, what's the best way for them to do that? Of course, it's easy to find us. So online, you can go to canada.ca slash FCAC. On social media, look for the tag at FCA can, that's FCA can. And I should mention FCAC has recently published new information to help Canadians learn more about the protections under the framework. So there's lots of great information there. And FCC also provides unbiased and fact-based information on a variety of financial topics to help Canadians make informed financial decisions. Great. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Hopefully we can get you guys back on again on November for Financial Literacy Month. Um, But for now, uh, to our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. And remember, we do want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question or topic you'd like me to talk about here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO. License Insolvency Trustees on your VOCM.